you would please open your Bibles to Genesis chapter 32. Genesis chapter 32, this is God's word. Jacob also went on his way, and the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, this is the camp of God. So he named that place Nahanaim. Jacob sent messengers ahead of him to his brother Esau in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. He instructed them, this is what you were to say to my master Esau. Your servant, Jacob, says, I have been staying with Laban and have remained there till now. I have cattle and donkeys, sheep and goats, men servants and maidservants. Now I'm sending this message to my Lord that I may find favor in your eyes. When the messengers returned to Jacob, they said, We went to your brother Esau, and now he is coming to meet you, and 400 men are with him. In great fear and distress, Jacob divided the people who were with him into two groups, and the flocks and herds and camels as well. He thought if Esau comes and attacks one group, the group that is left may escape. Then Jacob prayed, O oh God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O oh Lord who said to me, Go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Save me, I pray, from the hand of my brother Esau, for I am afraid he will come and attack me, and also the mothers with their children. But you have said, I will surely make you prosper, and will make your descendants like the sand of the sea, which cannot be counted. He spent the night there, and from what he had with him, he selected a gift for his brother Esau, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 female camels with their young, 40 cows and 10 bulls, and 20 female donkeys and 10 male donkeys. He put them in the care of his servants, heard each herd by itself, and said to his servants, Go ahead of me and keep some space between the herds. He instructed the one in the lead, When my brother Esau meets you and asks, To whom do you belong and where are you going and who owns all these animals in front of you? Then you were to say, They belong to your servant Jacob. They are a gift sent to my lord Esau, and he is coming behind us. He also instructed the second, the third, and all the others who followed herds. You are to say the same thing to Esau when you meet him. And be sure to say, your servant Jacob is coming behind us. For he thought, I will pacify him with these gifts I am sending on ahead. Later when I see him, perhaps he will receive me. So Jacob's gifts went on ahead of him, but he himself spent the night in the camp. That night, Jacob got up and took his two wives, his two maidservants, and his eleven sons, and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. After he had sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. When the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip, so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. Then the man said, Let me go, for it is daybreak. But Jacob replied, I will not let you go unless you bless me. The man asked him, What is your name? Jacob, he answered. 
Then the man said, your name will no longer be Jacob, but Israel, because you have struggled with God and with men and have overcome. Jacob said, please tell me your name. But he replied, why do you ask my name? Then he blessed him there. So Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, yet my life was spared. The sun rose above him as he passed Peniel, and he was limping because of his hip. Therefore, to this day, the Israelites do not eat the tendon attached to the socket of the hip, because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. May God add his blessing to this reading from his holy and inspired word. Jacob clearly is frightened. He knows he's about to meet his brother, and the reason that he left home all those years before is because his brother wanted to kill him. His mom said, go visit your Uncle Laban and uh, find a wife down there, and I'll let you know when it's safe to come back. Well, he never got the message that it was safe to come back, according to his mom. But what he did get was a directive from God. God who told him, you need to go. And so he's acting in obedience to God, not just on his own. You can never do better than to obey God. But nevertheless, obedience to God often puts us in circumstances that, frankly, we find frightening. And that's what's happening here. He is on his way in obedience to God, and he thinks, okay, i got to face Esau now. What am I going to do? Well, I'm going to give him gifts. Why did he come up with that strategy? Because when he sent a servant to tell Esau that he was coming, the servant comes back and says, he's on his way to meet you, and he's got an army with him. This, uh, this group of men with Esau, I mean, is that the way you travel? 400 men are with him. There's a guy who the last thing I heard about him was he wants me dead, and he's coming with a group of 400 men. Yeah, that would make me nervous. That would make me nervous. So, Jacob says, I'm going to give him a bunch of presents. I'll send the presents on ahead of me, and I'm going to break them into groups so that he gets one after another, after another, after another. And each one who is herding these animals is to tell him the same thing. My master, your servant Jacob wants to give you these, okay? You're going to reinforce the fact, I'm not lording him out. Hey, man, remember, I'm the one who got the birthright. You sold it because you were starving. Yeah, you remember, don't you? Okay, that means I'm the one who should be in charge, and uh, I'm just bringing these out to show you how rich I am now. No. He presents himself as the servant of Esau, he presents Esau as the master, 
And all these gifts, man, are for you. Because I want us to be on good terms. Well, after he's sent those folks ahead, he spends the night in camp, and he has a visitor. That night, Jacob got up, and he took his two maidservants and his eleven sons and crossed the ford of the Jabbok. And after he'd sent them across the stream, he sent over all his possessions. So Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him till daybreak. I mean, isn't that odd? There's no, it's not like any meets this guy or someone walks. It just says, a man wrestled with him till daybreak. Who is this man? This man is the Lord in human form. Jacob doesn't know that at first. And you can see why he's confused, because God is almighty. But God presents himself as a man. As a man with whom Jacob can wrestle and not lose. He prevails. I have trouble with this. I, I don't want to see God in these terms. I don't, I don't like the idea of his wrestling with a man, Jacob, here. And it says in verse 25, when the man saw that he could not overpower him. Come on! If this is a manifestation of, of Jesus in his pre-incarnate form, I want Jesus to be macho, you know? I want him to be so strong that nobody would dare mess with him. But that's not the way that Jesus showed up in the New Testament either. In fact, the people were looking for somebody who was going to be a conquering hero, overthrowing the yoke of Rome. But Jesus comes as a suffering servant. He had no form or comeliness that we should desire him. In the movies, Jesus is always the best looking one, isn't he? Okay? Some of them have him a little sissified, but they're still trying to make him pretty. That's not what the Bible says about what he's like. And why would he present himself in a way that Jacob could wrestle all night and the man could not overcome him? I think maybe we have a clue in the previous chapters. Chapter 18, verse 33. After Abraham is bargaining with God about sparing Sodom, God goes back and forth with him and back and forth with him and back and forth with him, and Abraham whittles him down and whittles him down. What if it's this many? Well, what if it's only this many? Well, what if it's this many? What if it's this many? I mean, you just have to look at that and say, well, Abraham's really good at this. He really knows how to bargain. But then it says this, when the Lord was finished speaking with Abraham, he left. You see, 
it felt like to Abraham that he was kind of controlling the conversation. But in fact, God was the one who was in charge. And even here, when the man saw that he could not overpower him, he touched the socket of Jacob's hip so that his hip was wrenched as he wrestled with the man. And when he walks away, he's limping. And he's going to continue to limp as a reminder of that encounter with God. And his descendants will have as part of their dietary restrictions that they do not eat the tendon that is attached to the socket of the hip because the socket of Jacob's hip was touched near the tendon. What happened? God could just touch him and render him unable to walk properly. God's not short on power. Jesus said, nobody takes my life from me. I lay it down voluntarily. But God puts himself in a position of weakness in order to accommodate himself to what we need. If Jesus had not willingly gone to the cross and laid his life down for us, we would all be damned. There would be nobody that makes it to heaven because all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But God became one of us and in weakness and humility served Jesus at the Last Supper, taking off his outer garments, wrapping himself in a towel, and washing his disciples' feet. The lowest job you could have was that. And so Jesus did it. Because it needed to be done, and none of his stinking disciples were willing to do it. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> That's a slave's job. I, I, I don't do that kind of thing. Jesus did. He humbled himself. And he said, this is the way you're supposed to live. This is the way you're supposed to serve others. This is actually exactly like God who comes in humility and gives Jacob not only the opportunity to struggle, but gives him a new name. And the new name that he gives him means he struggles with God. God told him what he'd been doing. God revealed who he was. He said, tell me your name. God had just told him, not his name, but who he was. Have you had an experience in your life where God moved from being just a concept to you to someone that you know, someone that you talk with, someone you listen to, 
When you approach his word, is it just an academic exercise or do you really want God to speak to you? Are you willing to do what he says? Jacob had prayed years before at Bethel. The prayer that he prays earlier in this chapter. Then Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country. This is the first recorded prayer of Jacob since the prayer that he prayed at Bethel. Doesn't mean he never prayed in all those years. But he certainly isn't described as a man of prayer. He isn't described in terms of his worship of God. God is the one who comes to him. God is the one pursuing him. God is the one who rescues us. When our first parents sinned so grievously in the Garden of Eden, God is the one who came to them. God said, Adam, where are you? Not because God needed information, but because we needed to connect. We needed to confess. God comes to us. God is reaching out to you. God is calling you this day. Will you listen? Will you listen? Or are you still too distracted? Jacob called the place Peniel, saying, it is because I saw God face to face, and yet my life was spared. When I think of this story, and the fact that God gave him that new name, Israel, he struggles with God. I think about the fact that God gives us a new identity when we put our trust in Jesus Christ. Whatever our old name was, whatever our old life was, when we trust in Jesus, there's a new life. There's a new identity. I find my identity now not in my name, my accomplishments. I find my identity in Jesus Christ, the one who died for me. Where do you find your identity? Are you looking to him? Are you trusting in him? Or are you still wanting to make a name for yourself? Jesus came in humility as a servant in order that we might be saved. Don't miss it. Don't miss him. Trust him and follow him. You won't regret it. Father, we thank you that your word is true and that we see again and again that you keep your promises. You are faithful, always faithful. And we thank you that you didn't just spare Jacob's life, 
but that through Jacob you would continue the line all the way down to Jesus who came to save us. Lord, as we limp through life, let us remember what you have done for us. Those encounters with you where you showed yourself true and where you gave us new life, new identity. We thank you, Lord, that you came not to destroy, but to save. Help us to spread that good news until you come again. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.